Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 498 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. The Pittsburgh Panthers are out of the ACC tournament, which means that Duke is in to the semifinals. They are playing Miami tomorrow. Duke has just finished walloping Pitt, 96-69, to a highly satisfactory score to look at. I am your host for this episode. I am Sam Klein. I am joined only by Jason Evans today. We are going to talk about this game, and we are going to give you the briefest preview of Duke's rubber match against Miami, which is occurring tomorrow in Greensboro. Jason, how you doing? Oh, man. Oh, was that a fun afternoon? I will tell you that the only regret, the only thing that makes me at all sad about watching that game was... I worry a little bit that Duke beat the snot out of Pitt so badly that we're going to hurt them in some of the efficiency metrics, and it may cost Pitt a bid to the NCAA tournament. I don't think it will. It shouldn't. But, man, did we beat the crap out of that Pittsburgh team. You know what? That's their problem. Yes. Well, but, Um, hey, hey, hold on. Not an ACC thing. This is a Jeff Capel thing. Sure. Uh, And, and, you know, I I certainly hope that he does well, but... Uh, if, you know, Jeff Cable knows what he's going up against. He knows yeah. he knows how to prepare his team. Uh, and You'd think. You'd think he would. <laughs> Didn't uh, look at today. You know, I, uh, I'm not going to blame him. The reality is sometimes your team just doesn't show up, and sometimes the other team shows out. That's what yeah. Duke did today. Is, uh, is Duke peaking right now? So th- this is this is the question, Jason, that, uh, that I want to ask you. So as I said, the final score, 96 to 69, uh, Duke starters all only play like 25 minutes in this game. Uh, it's not competitive even before halftime. I didn't admittedly get to watch this one. So we need to play. Uh, Sam didn't watch. So he's going to look at the box score and ask Jason about exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, this is my favorite game. <laughs> this, there are a couple things here that stand. Yeah. And usually, usually it's effective. Yeah. Uh, I think I can, I can glean enough to at least ask you the right questions. But before I ask you those questions, uh, do you have any headlines? I pulled a few from the listeners that I liked. So uh, feel free to share yours with me and then I'll tell you the best ones we got. No, I actually didn't write one. I'm so used to the, to the listeners having such great ones that I don't even try anymore. <laughs> Fantastic. Let me share a few with you. Please. Uh, literally just now as we started recording from uh, William Carberg. And uh, sir, if I'm saying your last name wrong, please please send us an email because I'm not positive about that one. Total Duke dominance of Pitt allows 82 minutes of bench play. 
Is this the best statistic from this game? 82 minutes of bench play? Well, that really might be. That's that's a. I love that he pointed that out. I mean, in theory, we certainly hope that Duke is, is embarking on the first of three games in three days. And being able to have such a relaxing affair where our bench, you know, takes up a bunch of the minutes because the starters didn't need to play for the final 10 minutes of the game. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good thing. That, that good, good call on his part. I like it. We got a couple from Jared Strauss, uh, who is usually prolific in this category. The ones that I liked the most from him, I pity the fools. And he That's also good. submitted one that is going to lead me to a question that I need to ask you, which is player actually called for flagrant foul after hitting Duke guy in face. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That there were a couple of uh, flagrants. There, were, there was a flagrant that um, happened uh, when Jalen Blakes was going up for a layup. He got hit in the face and there was another one. Oh my gosh. I can't believe uh, I, I'm just blanking on who it was. Was it flip? It might've been Filipowski. I can't remember now, but yeah, there were, there were a couple of players. good at drawing fouls, whether or not they get called is another question. Uh, I got from Tom Wildermuth. This one is pretty self-explanatory with the stats, which is Duke splashes down in Greensboro. He asked us, did someone take the rims from Cameron and install them at the Coliseum? Yeah. So the answer to that question is, I don't even think the rims at Cameron would have been this effective. Duke, Duke basically hit, are three pointers at a fifty percent rate in this in this game? Jalen Blake's and Jaden shoot late in the game ruined our fifty percent three point shooting. <laughs> the two of them came in and missed a couple. Jay, uh, uh, Jay, uh, Jaden shoot especially um, was like double clutching a couple of his. Like he would be there and he'd be like, "Should I take it? Yeah, I'll go ahead and take it." And by at that point, once you're thinking about it, it's not smooth anymore. But those guys <laughs> prevented Duke from hitting fifty percent of the game. But the regulars. The dudes who usually take three-pointers, the guys who are regularly in the rotation, um, just drain three-pointers at an absolutely ridiculous rate. Sam, to some extent, this is kind of the game. This is the Duke team that I think some of us sort of dreamed about. Like, oh, yeah, Tyrese Proctor is going to be a great three-point shooter. And Kyle Filipowski is this, you know, he can go inside and out. And and we haven't necessarily seen that all year. You know, like, I think coming into this game, Flip was like two of his past, like, 12 or something like that on three pointers. And then he rains down four out of six in this game. Just absolutely nothing but the bottom of the net on most of them. So I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, between shoot and Blake's they, they went over four collectively on a day when otherwise Duke goes 11 for 22. So that there you go. Take those, take those guys out and you're right at 50%. Uh, Kyle Filipowski apparently was a beast from outside and, and Derek Lively hit a three. So like, it's yeah, wait, that's so, how much of a laugher this is. <laughs> yeah. So uh the story of this game to some extent is Duke comes out, jumps out to a, a 12 to nothing lead. And and then, you know, Pitt tried to sort of keep it, I don't want to say close, but they, they kept it within some questionable kind of range. So so then you 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 come out at halftime and and you're thinking, okay, maybe Pitt's gonna, you know, this is a Pitt is a super experienced team. They're a club that uh, has a lot of pride and and knows that they need a, you know, perhaps they need one more good showing to really cement their NCAA tournament bid. And you would think at halftime with an experienced coach like Jeff Capel that they're going to come out and and really try to to get really back into this contest. And Duke promptly has another 12-0 run to start the second half. Basically, it was game over. And that's the, the end of that 12-0 run was Derek Lively draining a three-pointer. At, at that moment... So I was texting with some friends and I said, 
could we maybe save some of this hot shooting for for Miami? <laughs> you know, may, maybe save a little bit of it for the next game. And my friend Kobe, Kobe, a former uh, roommate of mine at, at Duke, he said, "Derek Lively just hit a three. I now know that I'm in the matrix." <laughs> and, and well, Jason, the, the the good thing about Duke using up all that good shooting, exactly to your point, is that the starters don't have to play the minutes, and Duke can empty the bench and let you know Christian Reeves run some offense and. Jaden shoot, take a bunch of a bunch of shots that he's not going to make and let all the other guys get the rest so that they're a little bit more awake for tomorrow. Because guess what? Miami had a nail biter against Wake Forest. We'll come back and talk about that one. I have a couple more that I want to share with you, uh, the, the headlines from this one. And then I need to ask you about a couple different Duke guys who put up some big numbers today. So uh, both of these are related to coaching. And, and uh, I'm sorry to share them given our our shared affinity for Jeff Cable, but Chris Bynum submitted, sorry, Jeff, we must destroy you. And Jim Barton, Jim, yeah. and Jim Baumgartner said, warning, coach of the year votes may not translate to ACC tournament outcomes. So, uh, you know what, Jim, <laughs> Jim, it's tough, but, uh, but, but it's totally fair, especially for the time that we spent uh, harping on the ACC media for not giving John Shire any love this weekend when they voted on the coach of the year award. So Jason, we need to move to the good. Uh, I'm going to do this box score style. I already mentioned that Kyle Filipowski uh, has an enormous day, at least uh, shooting. He's four for six from three and uh, seems like nothing was stopping him on offense. Yeah. And Sam, you didn't get to see it. So you didn't get the panic, the absolute abject terror that all the rest of us felt. So Kyle Filipowski comes out and he hits his first two three-pointers, like literally on the first two possessions. You're like, oh, wow. You know, this guy's feeling it. This is going to be something special. And then he promptly turns his ankle. And I'm telling you, he was he was on the ground for a while. And, and he went over to the bench and like he was putting no weight on it. And I was like, that's it. Season done. Flip, you know, Flip has turned his ankle and he's it's going to take him two weeks to be himself again. And in two weeks, Duke probably is not going to be playing anymore if we don't have a flip. And, th and then they start taping it up. And I was like, oh, wait, if they're like, it's one thing if they tape it up and put like ice on it. They were taping it up like he's going to go back in the game. And I went, wow, flips going back in the game. So he goes back in the game, promptly misses two three pointers. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. And then and then went, oh, wait, never mind. I can still do this. And and just he was raining twos. He was uh, he was raining threes. He was hitting shots in the lane, making three-point plays. He was absurdly, absurdly good in this game. The only thing about Kyle Filipowski, and this is kind of crazy, he grabbed zero rebounds. I noticed this. So It's so like the weirdest thing. And I think part of it was, someone pointed this out to me, that he didn't get any of those offensive boards that he gets when he misses a shot inside and gets his own rebound. He didn't have a chance to do that because he hit all his shots. <laughs> I, but, I yeah, it, it I just... noticed that the rebound numbers were not at nearly as lopsided as I would anticipate, given that Duke was up by thirty midway through the second half. But it feels exactly to your point, like that is just Duke's hot shooting, right? They're they're yeah. almost eighty percent from two. Uh, they're basically fifty percent from three in the in the part of the game that matters. So like. You can't get offensive rebounds if if you if you don't miss your first shots. Yeah, and, and speaking of the shooting, so so at the half, at the end of the first half, we were shooting sixty three percent from the field. We had twelve assists on seventeen made baskets and only four turnovers. Uh, 
Tyrese Proctor at halftime had seven assists. The entire Pittsburgh team only had five. And I was like, there's no way it can get better than this. And I was wrong. <laughs> In the second half, it was even better than that. And like you said, Duke finishes hitting 78% of our two-point field goals. We have 27 assists on 36 made buckets. That's an assist rate of 75%. That's like, that's unheard of. Maybe against a team like Syracuse, it's packed back in a zone and where you're passing around the perimeter and getting shots that way. Maybe sometimes like that, you'll get a 75% assist percentage. But to do it against, you know, a a more normal defense like Pittsburgh is crazy. And the turnovers, I want to mention. So I said we had four turnovers in the first half. We end this game with eight turnovers, but... Christian Reeves had one and Jalen Blakes had one during garbage time. The Duke's regular, you know, eight man rotation only had six turnovers in this game. That's it's, that's just an absurd number. Our ball handling, our, our ball movement, you know, the shots we got. Yeah. We were hitting at a huge percentage, but it was because we were getting great shot. Like guys weren't taking shots that I was, I don't think there was a single shot anyone took that I was like, eh, I'm not so sure. That's not a good shot. Every shot felt like a good shot, felt like the right shot to take. And Tyrese Proctor ends with a double-double, 10 assists for him. And I haven't been able you know, we're recording this so soon after the end of the game that I haven't been able to check to see. I'm trying to remember if Tyrese Proctor had 10 assists in a game earlier this year, but man. You know, I don't was, believe he has. He was, he was incredible. There were a couple plays that he had uh, that were just outrageous, just outrageously good assists. We're, when we get to favorite play, I will be talking about a couple Tyrese Proctor assists. I, you, you, you skipped straight to Tyrese Proctor without allowing me to to make the transition uh, intro question that I was going to ask you, which is uh, if Kyle Filipowski was uh, participating in a three point shooting contest today, then I guess Tyrese Proctor was the rack. <laughs> I love it. That's that's very clever. So, uh, I like that, you. Sam. Thank you for uh, for not giving me the opportunity to say something dumb like that. Uh, yeah, what is it? What what was Proctor doing, or what was he seeing today? Was it was it more driving, or was it more um, him sort of navigating from the perimeter and finding these open guys uh, for for three pointers? I imagine it's a lot of the three pointers that were being set up by him. I mean, yeah, it was a little bit of both. I mean, the, the the plays that really stood out to me are the plays that he made where he penetrated into the lane or where he made passes from the perimeter down into the post there. Uh, you know, again, I'm giving away my favorite play, but there, there are a couple plays that he had to Derek Lively uh, in the first half that I was just like, that just draw dropping kind of passing. This was very much, I think the Tyrese Proctor that, that we, uh, you know, when you, we watched the highlights of him in Australia, you were like, ooh, this is the guy we're going to get. And, and and we haven't, for the most part, seen him most of this year, but he looked completely in control. And he was able to set up the Duke guys with the shots they wanted. I, look, this is a team that, you know, we're now, oh, what, I, I need to look at our record. You know, we're getting close to 30 games into the schedule, probably 30 games into the schedule at this point. And they know each other. And you can tell they know where they want to get the ball and where the yeah, best places are. Jason Duke is twenty four and eight, and uh, John Shire continues to build his uh, his record setting season in terms of wins for a first year Duke head coach. So thirty two games into the year, it, it's it's yeah, it's really it's really and, and look, we've look, I, I 
I can't comment specifically on how they look today, but I can tell just from these numbers. And I can also tell you from the last couple of weeks against some other either tournament bound or borderline tournament bound teams in UNC, NC State, and uh, Virginia Tech-ish kind of fell off there, but um, but but they at least, we know that they were competitive this year. Um, Duke has demonstrated uh, a, a ton of development, particularly on offense, and and it seems like a lot of that shows today. Pittsburgh is not is not the greatest defensive team in in the conference. They're they're uh, fairly middling in that regard, but feels good that Duke can just walk in and be like, no, we're we're not even going to let mediocre defensive team hang around with this Duke team that we know has struggled to to score this year and has struggled to pass the ball. So Tyrese Proctor gets ten assists in in twenty two minutes. Uh, I'll take that any day. Yeah, and and we've we've spoken so much about the offense. I do want to mention the defense. I thought Duke did a great job of contesting everything Pittsburgh went after. Uh, Pitt really, there are very few guys in this Pitt team who had a, a good day offensively. And, uh, you know, again, you know, Jamarius Burton and Blake Hinson, these guys are, Nelly Cummings, these guys are are very, very experienced ball players. Nike Sabandi, Sabandi's the one guy I thought for Pitt who played who really played well in this game. But most of the other Pitt guys were absolutely frustrated by by the intense defense. I saw Jeremy Roach especially was playing really, really hard defense in the first half. This Duke team plays D at, at a level that allows them to stay close to teams when they aren't playing well on offense. And that's been what Duke has done for the most part this back half of the season. You know, really, it's since the emergence of Derek Lively, late January, early February, we've been a team that's like, okay, we're going to beat you because it's really, really hard to score on us. Well, occasionally, we do have enough offensive talent that occasionally you have a game like this where Duke plays really well at offense too. And the result is you beat the absolute stink out of someone in a way that, frankly, Duke hasn't all year long. Jason, can we talk about the bad for a minute? I'm not sure exactly where to go. No. Really to start here, uh, <laughs> but, but tell me, tell me what bad you, you want to take away from this one. I, I, okay. So I, I, like I said earlier, Jaden shoot missed all his three pointers. Look, this is my bad book. <laughs> Jaden shoot missed all three of his three pointers. Um, Stanley Hubbard had a chance to get into the ACC tournament. Score. Oh my God. Stanley Hubbard made the bad today. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a terrible. He thing. missed his, he had a shot. He had a chance. To get into the scorebook to score in his, his name, ACC by the way, is, his, his name by the way is Spencer Hubbard. Stanley Borden is a different guy. Spencer Spencer Hubbard. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, uh, Spencer Borden unfortunately didn't make it in the game. That's Sta- that that's Stanley Borden. Yeah, whatever. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> one of them's um, very tall, and one of them's very not tall. Right. Uh, so totally different players. If I if I have to pretend like there's some bad, um, I'll say that Duke got pretty lucky in this game. I mean. Uh, at one point, like at the 16 minute mark of the second half, Kyle Filipowski went in the lane. He got fouled and he banked in a runner as the shot clock was almost gone and, and flip like shrugged afterwards. He was like, I can't believe I made that shot. So it, it, it seems silly for this to be bad, but Duke did get extraordinarily lucky in this game uh, it, it, with about 14 minutes left in the game. There was a lob to Derek Lively where he got fouled and like, you know, he sort of slapped at the ball with his hands and it managed to go in anyway. It felt at times almost like a season full of bad luck was being balanced out in one game. 
because there were there were just a number of plays where you were like, well, that just that, you know that ball probably shouldn't have gone in, but it did. And you know, good on Duke. I I sure hope we could continue to do that, but some of these I think are not repeatable situations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, look, Duke probably isn't going to score ninety six points again for the rest of the season unless they perform really well in the rest of the ACC tournament and get matched up with like a bad team in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But uh, th- th- this is probably the high mark for Duke in terms of, in terms of points scored this year. So uh, even yeah. if it comes down from here, Duke can still win games if they don't score 96. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, frankly, I'm, I'm done with the bad. I, I don't know. There, there's just, there's no bad in this game. I thought the bad was going to be that Kyle Filipowski turned his ankle, but he, he came back and he was perfectly fine. So there's, there's literally no bad that I have from this game. I do want to mention one more thing that I think could be significant coming out of this game with about eight minutes left with Duke up 32 or 34 points, something like that. There was a moment that I went, Oh wait. And it was Drake Whitehead got the ball on the wing and drove hard to the basket and laid it in with some really nice touch with the entire pit defense coming over to try and stop him. It was for that brief, very brief moment. It was the Dreek Whitehead that I think we all thought we were getting this year. Now, I'm not ready to say yet, Dreek's back. I'm not ready to say yet that this guy is the player that was the number one, number two player in the class. The guy who all three of us expected to lead the team in scoring. He's he's been hurt and he has not been himself for the entire season. And most people... I was among them, were resigned that we were never this year. We were never going to see the Dariq Whitehead that you know we saw in the in the high school All Star games and on the high school AAU circuit and the Dariq Whitehead that was promised. Well, when he made that move, I was like, "That's that's it. That's the guy that I thought we were getting." I don't know that he's ready to to do that on a regular basis, but man, if he's even a little bit of that. It, it does, it, it elevates this Duke team. There's no question about it. Uh, Jason, give me a, give me a play of the game. I know you, you teased it earlier. Yeah. So my favorite play um, was two plays. They didn't come back to back, but they were so close together that I'm going to loop them in together. It was with about four minutes left in the first half. And, and as I, as I tease, it's a Tyrese Proctor assist. So Tyrese Proctor was dribbling out around the top of the circle. He got double teamed. And he got tripped. Frankly, the referees could have easily called a foul. He got tripped. He's down on his knees, but he's still dribbling. And he somehow fired a one-handed pass to Derek Lively, who who actually, rather than dunking it, Lively made like a nice layup out of it. I was just like, wow. It looked so great because Proctor was like on his knees. And then suddenly he was whipping the ball to Lively. It was such a great play. And as I'm on my computer taking notes, as I'm noting this, I look up. And it's a, you know, it's a few seconds later and Proctor has gone into the lane and he does this behind the back of it. He does like a pass behind the back of a Pittsburgh player that this time Derek Lively dunked it. It was just two sick, sick passing displays by Tyrese Proctor. He, he, he really, he really sees the game at an advanced level. I can't believe he's 18. I can't believe he should still be in high school. It's kind of ridiculous. But yeah, th- those two passes to me were very, very advanced. And Derek Lively was like, yeah, thanks, man. Because he got two easy buckets out of it. Just super impressive plays by Tyrese. Can't wait for NBA scouts to get a hold of that tape from today. No, uh, we, need to, we need to burn today's tape. 
because Kyle Filipowski was hitting all his three-pointers and Tyrese Proctor looked unbelievable and Mark Mitchell was going aggressively. To, Mark Mitchell had a yam at one point. Mark Mitchell was going aggressively to the basket. By the way, Jacob Grandison had a yam. Jacob Grandison slammed the ball in some dude's face. I was like, what is this? It was crazy. So, uh, yeah, we need to burn this tape so the NBA never sees it. Jason, let's take a quick break. And uh, on the other side, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about Miami, who, as I mentioned, had a little bit of a tougher time today with Wake than Duke did with Pitt. But that does not mean uh, by any means that tomorrow will be a cakewalk for the Blue Devils. Stick around. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit betterhelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Duke Roundup. We are back and we are going to spend a few minutes, a quick few minutes previewing uh, Duke's matchup tomorrow against Miami. I don't think any Blue Devil fans need us to linger on uh, the most recent Duke-Miami game, which was uh, one of Duke's last losses so far this season. And uh, that was in Coral Gables. It was a bloodbath, I can tell you, because I was there. Today in Greensboro, Miami squeaks by Wake Forest 74-72, but with about 10 minutes left, in this game, Miami was up by 18 points on Wake. And uh, the the metrics would tell you that, that Miami was, you know, basically guaranteed to win this game. And then Wake just slowly whittled down that lead over the course of the last, ooh, five, six minutes of the game to the point where Wake had a shot in the last minute to tie this game back up. And well, Miami, actually, I mean, it, Wake had a shot to win it. It was a half-court heave, but they were down two, and they took a half-court shot. And and by the way, at the end of the first half, Wake took a half-court shot that went in, but it was released like literally like maybe two tenths of a second after the uh, after the the clock had expired, so it didn't count. That's the difference in the game. The difference in the game was that that shot didn't count. So this is another one that I unfortunately did not get to see. So Jason, what was 
what was Miami up to for the first 30 minutes of this game? And then what were they up to for the last 10? I mean, my, what Miami was up to is what they're usually up to, which is that their guards are incredibly effective at, at penetrating and getting into the lane and getting the shots that they want. And uh, Norchad Omir, who has really turned into one of the better big men in the ACC, even though he's not, he's not that big. I mean, Omir is, he's like, I think he's like six, seven, but he's close to two fifty. Uh, but he, he was excellent in this game. He was blocking shots. He was getting, you know, he's get, he got, he had double digit rebounds to me. It was Omir inside Jordan Miller doing his usual Jordan Miller stuff, like doing a little bit of everything. That guy's turned into an incredible player. Jordan Miller finishes with 18 points, nine rebounds, five assists in this game. I mean, wow. And then Isaiah Wong um, just got whatever he wanted. In the lane. He was able to drive into the lane and get his shot repeatedly. Isaiah Wong ends up hitting six out of seven um, shots from uh, uh, from two-point range in this game. And, and as a result, you know, Miami coasted out to a pretty big lead that they were able to hold on to, even though Wake Forest really came storming back. Uh, I, I was worried when Miami was getting that big lead that they were going to be able to rest their rest, the, you know, all their starters a lot. Instead, Jordan Miller ends up playing 38 minutes. Isaiah Wong plays 34. Um, you know, they basically, you know, the, the eight guys in Miami's rotation um, were not able to get, you know, as much rest as they, as they would have hoped for in, in a game that looked like they were going to win going away. But uh, it, it, I mean, this is a really good Miami team and, I'm sure they sat around after their close game and watched Duke just lay the stank all over Pitt, and they're probably a little worried about it. Look, I I, I hope that's the case because uh, I would love nothing more than for Duke to march themselves back to the ACC tournament final through Miami, who dished out one of Duke's worst losses this season, uh, and and a team that is, you know, regardless of what happens here definitely NCAA tournament bound, one of the best teams in the conference this year. So it, it would be a huge notch for Duke to get a victory over Miami uh, in the semifinals. Yeah, I, I would say that right now, most most people would project probably that Miami is on the four seed line and that Duke's probably on the five seed line, five, maybe six. I, I think that it's fairly likely because the NCAA selection committee doesn't, they like to get stuff in place as early as they possibly can. I won't be at all surprised if the winner of this Duke Miami game, they just sort of go, okay, plug them in on the four line and let's be done with it. And then let's not really, you know, we don't need to worry about. And the other one, the loser maybe sits on the five line and that they go, okay, we don't need to worry about those two teams now. And they can worry about other, you know, worry about the bubble and worry about other stuff like that. Uh, I know it's, it's sort of early because the game will be on a Friday and you go, well, they've got all the way till Sunday, but the, believe me, the selection process is a, is a bear for the NCAA selection committee. And I, like I say, I really think there's a strong chance they're going to look at this Duke Miami winner and just say that team is the highest seed in the ACC. And, you know, the rest of it we'll worry about later on. I, I at this point, looking at the metrics, I would be surprised if Duke ends up with a four seed uh, across Ken Palm, Torvik and the net. Uh, Duke is no better than like 24th in the country right now, which tells you that there are six. So, uh, I, I'll, I'll guess that I, I think you're right, except Duke winning tomorrow against Miami makes Duke a five seed and Duke losing probably leaves Duke in the, in the six seed category or a seven. If, you know, if, if I, 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 I think, I think we're off the set. I mean, maybe if we get blown out by Miami, maybe, but after what we did to Pittsburgh today, I think we have to be on the six and I, I have a hard time 
seeing us dropping below that uh, again, unless Miami just, you know, puts a hurt on us the way the same way Pitt did today. We will leave it there. Stay in touch with us. DBR podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we will be back. I don't know. I guess sometime after that Miami game, because if, if Duke's playing in the ACC championship, we have to talk about it. So uh, we'll be back again very soon for Jason Evans. I'm Sam Klein. Donald's not here. I'm sure he'll be back soon. This has been episode 498 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke Band, take us home.